There's lots of advice telling you how to set and reach your goals. But before you dive in, it's a good idea to know God's plan for your life. Find joy in pursuing the next steps God has for you in Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, Forward, Discovering God's Presence and Purpose in Your Tomorrow. God does have a perfect plan for you, and it's time to embrace your life's purpose. It's time to move forward. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash forward. It's one of the most memorized passages in the New Testament, and for good reason. But are you doing more with the Lord's Prayer than just reciting it? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah offers some biblical tools to help you use this prayer for its intended purpose, as a pattern from which to structure your own prayers. Listen as David shares his special message, Intersections of Prayer. Hey, I want to thank you for joining us. This is a standalone, one-time-only message that uh, I want to share with you because it's meant so much to me over the years. I remember teaching the Lord's Prayer and coming together with others to talk about it, and I came up with this little outline and strategy for organizing your prayer life. The Bible says the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus responded with this prayer. And many people think that he responded with the prayer and they should just say the prayer wrote every day. Memorize the prayer and then you're praying as Jesus did. And certainly there's not anything wrong with that, but I think Jesus meant a whole lot more than that. He wanted to teach us how to organize our prayer. What kind of prayer should we pray? And we're going to lay this template of the Lord's Prayer over your life and over mine, and we're going to learn how to pray as Jesus teaches us to pray. We'll do that in just a few moments. I want to take some time here on this Friday edition, first of all, to thank you all for joining us during the month of April, and especially all of our new listeners from all over the country and around the world. We've added so many uh, release points. If you have uh, joined us during the month of April, we're so thankful to have you along. You might want to send us a note and let us know that you now receive Turning Point. That would mean a lot to us. During the next month, we're going to answer some questions many of you have had. The title of the series is Questions People Are Asking. Some practical things that people ask about, all of them biblically answered, beginning on Monday. And then don't forget, friends, every weekend we teach the Word of God on television. And the Lord has given us favor with some secular outlets that are quite amazing Um, For instance, on Sunday morning, you can watch Turning Point on Lifetime. You can watch it on the NRB TV station, on Inspiration, on the USA Network, on the Cowboy Channel. I always smile when I say that. On RFD TV. We are now on Newsmax at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. We're on TBN at 9.30, on the Fox Business Network at 12.30 p.m., And on Daystar, TBN, Hillsong, all of these stations carry Turning Point on television, and you can watch. In Canada, you can watch us on the Miracle Channel, and on Daystar, and on Vision, and on Joy TV. And so we're just so grateful for the opportunity, and we want you to know we hope you'll watch. We think it will be helpful and encouraging to you. Now, the Lord's Prayer. So many times when I've talked with Christian people about their prayer life, they have said to me, well, you know, Pastor, I, I, I just don't, I don't know. I just I sort of pray, but it doesn't go anywhere. I don't have a plan. I don't have a system. And, 
You know, after a while, it just seems like I'm mouthing the same old words that I mouthed before. And I just wish I could get a handle on how to pray. Well, I don't know if you've ever uh, felt a kinship with the disciples, but I want to welcome you to their club today because I think that's what was going on in their hearts. When one day they came to the Lord Jesus and they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, if they already knew how to pray, they wouldn't ask the Lord how to teach them to pray. They obviously were struggling with prayer. They had seen the Lord Jesus pray, obviously had sensed the power and impact of his prayer life because he often got up a long while before dawn and went alone to pray. It is amazing to me that the disciples didn't ask Jesus, teach us to do miracles, Lord, or teach us to preach or teach us to teach. But Lord, teach us to pray. For we sense that you know how to pray and we don't. And would you teach us? And when they asked that question to the Lord, he responded by saying, when you pray, say this. That's exactly what it says in Luke's account. I know we've made a big deal about the fact that this prayer is not to be said in rote. And I really believe that you can get into a habit of just saying the Lord's prayer and it doesn't have any meaning at all. But I think what the Lord was saying is this, if you really understand what this prayer is all about and you can pray it with understanding, pray this, say this. It is no accident that the Lord Jesus says to us, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And the psalmist says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The entryway into the presence of God is through the court of praise. We're to hallow his name. That was something I had not done. And I'm still learning how to do it better. Maybe you begin by saying, I don't know how you address God when you talk to him in the morning. I usually say good morning. I guess that's all right. Good morning, Lord. I just want to Take some time this morning to give praise to you that you are my righteousness. God, I'm a sinner. I have got no standing before you at all. But you're Jehovah, said you, my righteousness. And God, I want to praise you that one day you went to the trouble to send your son, the Lord Jesus, to the cross and pay for all of my sin and give me righteousness which I don't deserve. And you, dear God, you are my righteousness, and I praise you for it. I want to begin my prayer time just focusing on the fact that I was a sinner lost and bound for hell. Had it not been for your intervention, God, and I love you for that, and I praise you. That's a pretty good start, isn't it? When you begin to pray by worshiping, everything changes. I cannot express that to you in strong enough terms. It is the missing ingredient in most of our prayers. We have not cultivated the art of worshiping God. We have not worked hard through our journals and through our reading to comprehend the greatness of God and to all over again keep falling in love with him and worshiping him and saying to him what we know to be true of his nature. Enter into his courts with praise. Intersection number one is praise. And then... Of course, we move from praise to priorities. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is simply saying, in essence, that we have decided to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and understand that when we do that, everything that we need will be cared for. To put another way, men and women, when I pray this prayer as a part of my daily prayer routine, what I am saying is this, Lord, bring heaven down to earth in my life. Let your kingdom be reflected in all that I do. Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I want your will, your perfect system of priorities in my life. And I want to say something to you, and I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me at a little deeper level than maybe you would listen otherwise. If you do not pray the priorities of God into your life, your priorities will be wrong. They will be wrong. They will be messed up. They will be inverted. They will be upside down. They will be human-centered, not God-centered. You will destroy everything that's close to you, even when you're not trying to do it, if you don't pray God into the priorities of your life. So every day... You go through this and you can make up your own list if you want to, but I've mentioned this to you before. You say, God, I'm here before you today and I want your will in my life. And really, I know that more important than anything else is that I be right. For God, if I'm wrong, everything else is wrong. And so I want you to help me continue to see the vital importance of my relationship with you. Lord, I don't want to neglect that. In light of all of the other pressures in my life, help me to see that it takes discipline to be godly, and that I must involve myself in a routine, daily basis, cultivating the spiritual growth of my own life, for I am a person and I have a relationship with you. And then, Lord, I need to ask you to help me to build strength into the relationship with my wife, that we might know the joy that you've intended us to know, that we might stay close and there might not be any drifting apart. God, help me to be a good husband. And then, Lord, for my children, because I'm a parent and I have a relationship with them. And then the last thing on the list is your participation and other things. All I'm saying to you is this. Somehow, in the process of your prayer, you have to work through your priorities. And I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he said to his disciples, When you pray, say this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray your priorities. The only way I know to keep my priorities straight is to pray them every day, every single day. I can have a great list and I'll make a new one when the year starts. I'll have some different things I want to do. But if I don't pray my priorities every day, they go away real quick. Have you noticed that? They don't stay focused. I know about all the little day timers and the organizational charts and all these things you can do and how they tell you to write out your priorities and get a mission statement and all that. Let me just tell you, you can do that if you want to. But if you pray your priorities, you won't have to do any of that. Because every day before God, you will go through this list and it will help you keep them in sync. And if you don't do that, you'll have a hard time. You'll have a hard time. Your priorities will shift to the pressure of life. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about? Your priorities will shift and they'll fit into the little space that life creates for them and you will not be God's person as you want to be. Then, Provision. Intersection number three. I got some things, Lord, I need. Give us this day our daily bread. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. This is the time now, having worshiped God, having focused your priorities, you come and say, now, Lord, here are the things that I need. I've been learning a lot about me. But I've learned, and maybe you'll identify with this, sometimes when there's a lot of things on your mind, 
The first thing when you wake up in the morning, those things are all there. Have you noticed? I don't know what there is about getting up in the morning, especially maybe you thought about them during the night or before you went to bed. And I've had to find a way to release those things. And I release a lot of them right here. When I'm praying, if I'm using my journal, I will just sit down and say, now, Lord, I got this sense in the back of my mind that there's some things that are bothering me, some needs we have. As a church, I mean, we got a lot of places for needs to to grow. (laughs) In the church, in the college, in the school district, at Turning Point, in my own personal life. And so I just started, Lord, I'm going to release these things to you right now. And I get my little computer and I got a little thing that makes bullets, you know, when you make the little bullet. And I just put them all down. As fast as I can, I just write them all down. And as soon as I write them down and I see them, it's just like I'm giving them to God. (laughs) Now I said, Lord, here's my needs. These seem overwhelming to me, especially when I don't really crystallize and focus on them. But when I give them to you, they don't seem like that much, for you're the God of heaven. And I give my needs to God. And I say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And you remember when we studied this, we talked about the fact that we have to distinguish between our needs and our wants. You know, God may want you to have a Hyundai and you want a Cadillac. And you might go to God and say, Lord, give me a Cadillac. And God's going to say, no, you need a Hyundai. I didn't promise you what you wanted. I promised you what you needed. So drive the Hyundai. Now, does Hyundai get you where you're going? Yeah, it does. And that's all God's. Some people think that God's obligated to answer your fantasies. (laughs) Lord, give me my fantasies. No, no, no. No, your wants. Give us our bread. (laughs) And when you pray this way, let me tell you something. It will keep you from worrying. I mean, we all have a tendency to worry some, but if you really get a hold of this, you won't have to worry. Why? Who's responsible for your needs? God is. And when you bring your needs to him, he will help you. It's incredible to me how many Christian people I have talked to during this series who have come and said, well, pastor... I have, you know, look at my needs. And I'll ask them, did you ask God for them? Well, no. He knows, doesn't he? That's not what the prayer says. The prayer says you're to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Then when you do that, you can give that to God. That's what happens when I release this list to the Lord in the morning. I give it up to him. I don't worry about it anymore. Do I get all those things answered in this day? No, but it's interesting when you go back and look how God picks those off in his own time, doesn't he? He just takes care of things in his own time. And then you go back and look at the list you wrote six months ago and you kind of smile and you say, Lord, look what you've done. It's wonderful. We do not have a great enough sense as God's people of the way God provides for us. And you know what else we don't do? If I can just get off on a side for a moment. When he does provide, we're not always really careful to thank him, are we? I used to say this in my prayers. I kind of grew up with this little phrase. I guess maybe I heard it in church somewhere. That's how we learn to say all these Christianese things we learn, you know. I would end my prayer and say, and we will be careful to give you the praise. And I discovered something. I wasn't very careful. I wasn't doing that. I try not to say that because I find that in my own human realm, I'm not always careful. God does a lot of things for me I ask him to do, and I forget to thank him. I'm getting better at it now that I'm keeping track of it in writing. But oh, what a wonderful thing it is to know that God is our provider. I can't spend time on the rest of these much, but let me just remind you again that when you're finished asking God for provision, then you deal with personal relationships. That's the next thing. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And we learned about that, didn't we? That if you pray this prayer every day, you'll always get along with everybody. You'll never have any long-term relational problems because you won't be able to deal with them because every day when you pray this prayer, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You're saying, Lord, if I don't deal with my problems, you're not going to deal with my problems. So, Lord, who is it? And, And you know what? It's interesting to me that when you pray this, if there's something a little bit wrong with somebody in your life, in your family or in your relationships, it comes right to the top just like that. I can't get over how God does that. You may not even be aware that you've offended somebody or someone else's. And when you pray this prayer, God gives you this ultra sensitivity of a relationship that's out of sync and you have to go get it right. And you remember, we talked about how we're to forgive because we have been forgiven. We're to forgive just as we are forgiven. We're to forgive before we need to forgive. And we're to forgive always 70 times seven. And we're always to forgive taking the initiative ourselves. And that's the way it works. One of the verses says this. If you come to the altar and you know that your brother has ought against you. Now watch this. Leave your gift at the altar. Go get it right with your brother and then come back and worship. The other verse says, if you come to the altar and you know that you have ought against your brother, leave your gift, go get your brother, get it right, and then come back. Now watch this. If your brother has ought against you, you go. If you have ought against your brother, you go. Whose turn is it? It's always your turn. And some of you married couples, you're leaning off this side of the bed. He's leaning off this side of the bed. You just had a big fight before you went to bed. And you're laying over here saying, I ain't talking to her the first time. The last time this happened, I initiated it, the forgiveness thing, and I'm not doing it again. It's her turn. I hope you fall out of bed. Now watch this, mister. You just go ahead and do it because you're the godly one and the godly one always initiates. You see what I'm saying? And you can just feel so good about the fact you have initiated the forgiveness because what does it say? It's always your turn. And you can do it too, (laughs) ma'am. Whoever senses that the relationship is broken, what do they do? They take the step to get it right. Who cares later on who initiated it as long as it comes back together and the forgiveness thing is wrought? Isn't that true? I guess when we get to eternity, we may be able to ask how many relationships have been destroyed because somebody was waiting because they didn't think it was their turn. God has once and for all settled that issue when it comes to forgiveness. So when you come to the Lord in prayer and you say, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and he brings to your mind somebody you need to take care of, don't you sit around and argue with yourself that they may have done something to you that was worse than what you think you may have done. You just go get that person and get it right. That's what this prayer will do for you. Personal relationships. And then protection. (laughs) How we need to pray this one. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Oh God, today I pray that you will not put me in the path of temptation and sin. Lord, don't lead me in a direction where there's a possibility of my failure. Because I know whenever there's temptation, there's always two things that can happen. You can succeed and you can fail. Lord, I don't even want to take the chance. So keep me out of the way of temptation. And Lord, the evil one's ever around, seeking whom he may devour. Deliver me from the evil one. I need your help today. Lord, protect me. Put a hedge around me. Put a hedge around my children. Keep me. Lord, I I revel in this truth that the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of trial. So I pray this prayer to you, God. Protect me today. Protect my loved ones. 
I can testify to you that when you bring your life to God and you say to him, I want you to take this. Lord, you lead me, but not into temptation. You deliver me from the evil one, and I trust you to do that. You can live every day, and even when things happen that you don't understand, you can say, all things work together for good to those that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. God doesn't make any mistakes. But it's in the process of giving that up to him at the beginning of the day. And then, of course, we come at last to the end of this prayer and praise again. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Prayers now come full circle. We find ourselves again at praise. Worship seals all prayers at the front and at the back. And Jesus has taught us that we're to pray and always to pray with praise beginning and praise ending. Lord, I praise you for your sovereignty, for yours is the kingdom. I praise you for your authority, for yours is the power. I praise you for your majesty, for yours is the glory. I praise you for your eternality, for you are forever. Lord, I praise you. You can pray this prayer. You can take this, find a little notebook, put a section for each of the six intersections, start keeping track of the things that you think fall under those categories. And you know what? It's going to be right for you because what did I say at the beginning? How do you learn to pray? You learn to pray by praying. You say, well, I'm going to study this for a little bit, Pastor, and I'm going to work on this and meditate. I'll try to get the tape and I'll listen to it again. And then maybe as we get toward the first of the year, I could start on the first of January. No, start today. If not today, tomorrow. Find a place alone and say, God, I don't know that I know very much about praying, but I'm going to start where you told me to start. And I'm going to follow along the prayer journey, and I'm going to stop at every intersection along the way to remember the things you told us to pray about. I promise you that as you pray, you will learn how to pray better, and God will help you to learn how to pray with greater meaning. And then keep track of what he does. Write down the things he does for you, and it will encourage you to keep praying. For the world is waiting for God's people to get serious about prayer so that God can get serious about the world. And reaching men and women to Jesus Christ is a matter of prayer. He's given his life. He's given his son. He's given the gift that we might have everlasting life. But he tells us in his word that he limits himself to some degree because of the prayers of his people. If we do not pray, there will be those who will not hear. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he may send laborers out into the field for the fields are white. The Bible teaches us, if it teaches us anything, that we will never know the fullness of the blessing of God in our lives until we deal with the issue of prayer. And I want to encourage you to do, this is not about guilt. I haven't talked to you about how bad you are because you don't pray. I don't know how much you pray or don't pray. I don't want to make you feel guilty. Guilt doesn't motivate anyone. I want to tell you that you can do it. I want to say to you with all my heart, this is a plan that will work. And if you want to work another plan, get another plan. But get a plan for prayer and get after it. And if you need a little priming of the pump, go find a good book on prayer. The books by Becky Terabasi are great books on prayer. Read a chapter a day. Take a few notes from the book. Put it in your prayer journal and then pray. Men, we've got to pray. Women, we've got to pray if we're going to be God's people today. That's the passion in my heart, to take this that we have learned and put it in a package a prayer kit, the prayer kit of Jesus. 
you go do it, will you? Will you do it? You know, I don't know how many people have told me that they want to pray, but oftentimes when they pray, they lose their way, they lose focus, they can't concentrate. And I think sometimes that's because we don't put any structure to our prayers. And um, let me just encourage you to try this. You may find it very helpful. And um, I hope it would be a blessing to your life and to those for whom you pray. Now, um, once again, don't forget, we'll be back on Monday with the new series, Questions People Are Asking. And uh, if you haven't gotten back to church yet, uh, I can't imagine why not, but uh, don't let any more time go by than absolutely necessary before you get back to your church. I'm not talking about the Internet service. I'm talking about your presence in the pew, in the chair, wherever you meet with your fellow believers and your pastor. The church gathered is more needed today than ever before, and I think it's time we get serious about that and become obedient to the passage in Hebrews that says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I'm committed to that. We're doing that. I want to encourage you to do that. And then don't forget to join us on Monday. We'll see you next time. This is David Jeremiah. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's special message, Intersections of Prayer, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World and start living with a greater certainty in these uncertain times. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we begin the series, 10 Questions Christians Are Asking, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com Bible. Usually, I will preach an annual series of sermons on financial stewardship. Money is such a volatile subject in our culture that we need a yearly reminder of God's principles for managing it wisely. But I'm seeing another area of critical concern in our society that also falls under the heading of stewardship, and that is the stewardship of our health. 
It took a serious health challenge in my own life years ago to remind me that I need to include my body as part of my stewardship responsibilities before God. I hope you'll join me in making vibrant health a high priority. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover what God expects of good stewards on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.